Hello, Poddlers, and welcome to another episode of Even Footnotes Presents. We are the book club discussion pod brought to you by the good folks at Even Footing Games. I am Jason, your host for this evening. Aaron uh, won't be joining us, but I am thrilled to have Amanda and Kayla here tonight to talk about Margaret Atwood's Oryx and Crake, the Margaret Atwood book that isn't The Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> yeah, the only book that she ever wrote. Yeah, yeah. It's of, the only of, one, yeah. You know, it's funny, I was I was looking through, like, I've read, I've read other Margaret Atwood, and I was looking, mm-hmm. but I was looking through, like, the list, and she's written, like, 50 books. Like, I had no idea how many books she's written. And she's won yeah, the just Booker a Prize twice. Yeah, yeah. Which is pretty impressive. And she's been on the bestseller list numerous times, including for this one, Oryx mm-hmm. and Crake, which... Spoiler warnings and trigger warnings as well. Uh, we're going to be talking about, because they are mentioned in the book, child sexual assault, pedophilia, kitty porn, suicide, suicide murder, murder, end of the world, all the terrible apocalypse stuff. It is... Just all of them? All the trigger warnings? All the bad stuff. Uh, Oryx and Crake is... We'll get into the plot points in a second, but at its heart, it is a book about after the play... It's the last man on Earth, basically. And he is his, he was very close with the guy who ended the human race as we know it. So it's part him trying to live in the now in a strange position he feels himself in and reconciling the youth that he spent with this guy who grew up to be his best friend who grew up to be the one who destroyed the human race. So, <laughs> and, it's hard. and the prostitute that they both loved, I guess, sometimes, maybe. Yeah. As you do. As you do. So let's just go in. Let's just go beat by beat. And we'll talk about some of the themes as they come up. But uh, our, our main characters in the present day uh, of the book is named, Snow- he calls himself Snowman. And he is, in a sense, the last kind of modern human of the 20s, of Homo sapiens. There are other people still around that he calls the Krakers. And these were genetically engineered people created by his friend Crake to be sort of the next step. And they are basically kept in a state of childlike innocence and ignorance. They're kind of genetically designed to not get jealous, to not be ambitious. No religion. Genetically engineered to not have religion. And towards the end, we realize they might starting to to go that direction. Mm -hmm. Snowman, whose real name is Jimmy, we find that he's seen as sort of a prophet to some extent. They know that, that the Krakers know that Krake created them. And Oryx created all the animals. And Snowman is their go-between, mostly because that's the mythology that he's been telling them. Because he's the only one left. He's the only one left. He's the only one basically capable of independent thought, I guess, in a sense. When we say they're the genetically engineered humans, they are very much they go in they're they're engineered to only go in have sex when they go into heat, like once a month. They they are engineered to the guy's pee has pheromones that scare off predators. Like everything is very much designed at a molecular level. That is like they, they took just, all the best. They just eat plants. They just eat they, plants. They eat yeah. their own feces to get the mm-hmm. nutrients back, like right. rabbits. Yeah, right. right. They're all different way. colors, so there's no racism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they all have the same color eyes. It's weird. Right. They're all genetically perfect. Like they're 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 specimens of beauty. But Snowman says more than once that that it's the uncanny valley thing. Even even though they're all physically perfect specimens he doesn't feel any sexual drive or urge towards them he doesn't mm-hmm. see them as as uh, almost like they, they like they live 30 years they're mature by the time they're seven it's just yeah it's, 
It's right. too different. It's yeah. too alien. It's very alien. It's yeah, not yeah. human enough. And not only that, he mentions at one point that even if he was interested in trying to start a romantic relationship with one of them, that he would just feel like an intruder because mm-hmm. their habits are so different from from ours, basically. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they're capable of romance either. No, yeah. they do like a yeah. basically a mating dance and then mm-hmm. have an orgy. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the, the woman's private parts turn purple like a baboon. Blue. It's blue. They turn yeah. blue. They turn blue. blue. They turn blue. Yeah. And uh, it's actually her. It's actually her butt, like a baboon. Her butt. Okay, then, so her, her butt turns blue. Okay. Yep. And then the men wave their penises around in like a dance. And they get flowers too, right? They they bring yeah. her flowers and they wave their penises. Yeah. Around. Mm-hmm. And, and then they and, all take turns until right. she gets pregnant. And then well, she gets pregnant it goes she picks the four she wants right or or Mm -hmm. like she picks the four she wants yeah if if her butt doesn't turn blue in response to his penis turning blue then they just go away they're They're just like okay Okay. yeah all right you're not interested in the blue today that's fine Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) no blue for you yeah yeah and as soon as it's successful they all go back to their lives right right Right. Right. go back to masticating there and the children age really quickly and they're pretty self-sufficient in general Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's where the book starts. Uh, Snowman, as he's calling himself these days, and we'll learn why later, is visiting the Krakers basically just to check in on them. And they, you get an idea, you get this idea that they see him as a, a pseudo religious figure. There, he is. It's the kids that see him first, right? And they just roll mm-hmm. up and start asking him questions. The youngsters find a bunch of just random crap on a beach, and they just come up and it's like, "Is this dangerous?" And it's like a plastic bag. Is this dangerous? It's a fork. And he's like, "No, no, that's fine. You're fine. You could." Put that down. That's not good. You could keep that. You know, he, he's he's very much an object of mystery to them, but it's the feathers. What he calls clothes, or his mm-hmm. clothes. What he calls his feathers. Um, right. His clothes, clothes. He calls a looser skin. His hair. He calls feathers. His beard. Mm-hmm. That's right. Because he's got he yeah. a beard. None of them do. And his clothes is just a sheet that he keeps wrapped around himself. Yeah, which is right. so um, funny. To, like a toga. It's, mm-hmm. it's very much the visualization of like a Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? It's. He's he's very much John the Baptist in the desert. You know, he's yeah. He, he's wearing animal skins and eating wild honey, and he's out in the wilderness. They have to bring him fish. Yeah, that's right. The Quakers don't eat meat, but they told him that, or Craig wanted them to bring him a fish every week, just just so he's right. Which he yeah, and then he's like, yeah, he's like, why didn't I say every day? Every day, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a strange relationship that this guy finds himself in, uh, of sort of caretaker object of wonder of these genetically engineered people um meanwhile his his grip on his own sanity is 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 tenuous at best and i think it's a really interesting start to the whole story Mm -hmm. because you learn about the people the crakers right away and like jimmy kind Mm -hmm. of going crazy with these people Mm -hmm. and you're like why what the fuck is happening right Right, now right right it drops you right Um, in the middle of He's basically yeah. having a psychotic episode, yeah. Yeah, right. you're like, is this actually real or what's going on? Which is not helped by the amount of drinking and substance use that he's done with anything he could find, so. Well, I mean, every realistic end of the world, last man on earth book or, yep. or film I've ever said, there's always the scene where they drink themselves into oblivion at one point or another. <laughs> well, of course, um, yeah. It's obligatory. It's like, what else would we do? You know, yeah, eventually right. the, the ennui gets to you. You're going to have to get blotto sinking drunk. And, and, well, the... and I do think that's a pretty common theme for Jimmy anyways, because mm-hmm. his life was so chaotic that he uses drugs and alcohol to escape and sex the whole time. Chaotic and somehow too mundane, I think. 
Mm-hmm. He always feels so less than. Right. Jimmy, the we flash back to Jimmy's younger days. First, it starts off with his childhood before he, his kind of pre-crate days where it's just him. His dad works for a genetic engineering firm and his mom is... I feel like she did it one time too, but she's gotten disenfranchised with the whole idea. Basically, it's a world that is just on the cusp of falling into the dystopia. Society's just about to collapse. There are amazing scientific wonders that have been discovered. They are crossbreeding different species of animals, like making pigs that have human organs that grow to five times their size, and they give off an abundance of pork, and they're like, splicing raccoons and skunks into pets adorable pets stink. yeah adorable pets yeah. that don't stink and are, are much smarter than the both but only the very rich and the very intelligent have access to these they all live on compounds everywhere else they call the plevelands and this is very much your end of society trash can fires everyone lives in a dilapidated trailer park type thing so yeah it sounds super familiar when you go out right. into the plevelands so the Plebeians is basically where ninety percent of all of us would end up when we get to this point. The corporate worlds are for the top of the top, the, the smartest people on the planet, and that's the first kind of twinge that you see that science alone won't save society because they have all of these amazing scientific breakthroughs and wonders, but it's only for the very, very, very few. And they all have, all these compounds have terrible, they're, they're like terrible medical pun names. like A new you spa. Yeah, a, a new yeah. you spa, but it's all, is it? Rejuvenescence. Yeah, yeah. Everything's very. Yeah. yeah. The book came out in 2001, 2002. So it's got that very much 90s sense of advertising about like everything <laughs> is this super corporate, super. Yeah crunchy media streams and this is where jimmy grows up with his dad being one of the top scientists in one of these little corporations and his mom disillusioned and she eventually leaves i'm trying to think is there escapes that... really she escapes like, yeah 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 which is there... another thing that you like it feels like the elite are allowed to live there but then you're not allowed to leave well because right. you have so much knowledge of right. everything the genetic splicing they're creating like new vaccines and new diseases and all kinds of things and outside corporations other countries are always trying to steal it and steal people and infiltrate and so you basically constantly are under i guess you're constantly being oppressed with your knowledge you're not allowed to take it anywhere do anything with it they're in a prison just as much as any criminal it's just they get right nicer Mm -hmm. fake meat for dinner it's really what it is it's the company owns the people just as much Mm -hmm. as it owns and they own all of your thoughts. They own yeah. you as a person, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Uh, it's just, in this case, it's now volunteer slavery, in a sense. You buy into the system knowing that the system's going to own you. Yeah. Uh, and Jimmy's mom, she used to be part of one of those corporations and was mm-hmm. like one of the top genetic scientists and I guess kind of just unravels a little bit. Or she's painted as unraveling a little bit because she doesn't want like- to work that job anymore. Yeah, definitely slowly. It definitely takes her some time. You can tell the progression of her getting worse and worse and more and more disenfranchised. Then she Mm -hmm. escapes the compound and they pretty much never stop looking for her. Yeah. Yeah, they ask him about it for years. Yeah, Like pretty much right until the end, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, like someone will show up every couple of years, well into his adulthood, asking questions about his mom. When was the last time he saw her? And well, she you know, stole a lot of information from them, allegedly. Yep. Destroyed her work computer, took hard drives. Oh, yeah. And she pops up here and there, and he catches view of her in news feeds every now and then, protesting. So she's, it's believed she's joined some sort of eco terrorist group. Or God's gardeners. God's gardeners. Yeah, yeah that's right. Violence. Yep. But this also, this sets Jimmy aside in the corporate world now. or His, his peer group. It's, it's a well-known secret that his mom is an eco-terrorist, or, she, or she, she's right. a thief at the very least. So She's a traitor. So it kind of always taints his adulthood that this black mark happened in his childhood. And his dad does the classic thing of marrying a, a younger co-worker and pretty much starting all over like they start playing like immediately and, although jimmy does say he was sure that they never did anything like his dad never cheated on his mom but you could tell he was like yeah. i'm sure it never happened it, it never happened but yeah yeah um and that, and that could be just jimmy being naive. naive naive or not willing to you know jimmy gets to high school and a young kid named craig moves in well his name's not craig but that's the only way we know craig it's... is a is a pseudonym but i don't think they ever give his real name his glenn name. that's right yeah I would go by Craig too if I were. But he pretty much only refers. He only is pretty much referred to as Craig the whole time. Yeah, the, like they used in a video game. Where it was like their their right. game handle. Yeah. Where mm -hmm. Jimmy goes back and forth between Jimmy and Snowman depending on the time. Where mm -hmm. he calls Craig Craig pretty much from the beginning. Yeah. And and I think that just goes to show. I think that reflects for me how Craig was never a real person, even to Jimmy, even to Snowman. Mm -hmm. He was always sort of this mythological figure. That when he was, well, he was always so much more advanced than Jimmy was yeah. as a child, even. Craig is, by all accounts, a super genius. He's one of the smartest people alive, most likely at this point, if not the smartest. And he's never comes right out and says he's autistic, but he's it's pretty clear he's on the spectrum. He they doesn't do. say it, but they make that joke at Watson Crick, their college, that everybody is slightly autistic there. What do they call people from other corporations? The neuro neurotypicals? Yeah. Neurotypicals, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so there's that awareness there of the smart kids that they know they are different, but they see this as very much as a as an evolutionary jump, you know? It's, it's right, as like something yeah. to be something that's a, that to be attained, yeah. My aid neurotypicalness is what lets me focus so much on this one thing or, or excel in this. Yeah, thing. like neurodivergency is the way to be. Exactly. But we get their interactions now. Craig basically adopts Jimmy because he makes him laugh for all intents and purposes. And Jimmy just is glad for somebody who wants him around i think that's really what it is yeah. it's, lon it's loneliness on both of their parts i think pretty quickly yeah, it's that craig has somebody he can trust because right. it seems right. like even as a young kid he has all these adults around him that he views as dumb mm -hmm. and that he can't rely on or trust at all and so it's good to have somebody his age that understands him without like crying too much and we will get into this later, but is Craig capable of trusting anyone? Yeah, or, that's a good question. It gets into if he's capable of loving yeah. anybody too. So Did he ever really it's, trust Jimmy? It's right. the same question, I think. Is he capable of love or trust? Or, or did he yeah. trust him to a fault? Or did he mm -hmm. love somebody to a fault? Right. Right. Ooh, well, let's <laughs> get into that. Jimmy and, and Craig spend most of their time getting high and sneaking Craig's parents' liquor 
and watching horrible, horrible, horrible stuff on TV. And this is when it gets a little heavy handed with like how far society has collapsed into the whole bread and circuses thing. They're like, sometimes we'll watch the suicide channel. And sometimes we'll watch the channel where people get torn to bits by animals. And sometimes we'll watch the, the only murder channel. And the nudie news where everybody's just yeah. naked. And they're all just right, yeah. It really is like they get, we'll just, sometimes we'll just watch porn with the sound off, just having in the background. So it's, they get more and more desensitized towards stuff. And after about, Christ, half a chapter of just lists of all the terrible <laughs> stuff they watch, they get to Hot Tots, which is unfortunately yep. exactly what it's child porn. like. Yep. It's child porn. But that is where Jimmy and Craig first see Oryx. Who they think is Oryx. Or who it, Jimmy thinks is Oryx. Jimmy it's never, never even confirmed if it's the same person. Right. Because she denies it pretty much till the end. Yeah, she denies everything. everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that's interesting, but yeah. But they see a very young Oryx. A very, yeah, very young girl who is potentially Oryx. And they are both... I think they say at some point that she's eight or nine in that video. Yeah. And they're 14, 15, somewhere. I mean, they're, just, yeah. they're, they're kids they're... themselves. Yeah. yeah. I think they're around 14, yeah. Yeah. But nobody should be watching this, but they're definitely, you know, the fact that a 14-year-old has access to, you know. Margaret Albert does say, like, Craig figured out how to uses his uncle's uncle's credit, credit card and go through mm -hmm. these digital accounts so again showing that he's smart enough to get around but jimmy gets smitten with this girl right off the bat and craig prints up like freeze frames it and prints up a picture of the girl's face and like, jimmy holds on to that for a year that, that becomes a talisman to him forever i think yeah he's yeah. probably does he still have it when he's snowman i don't, I don't, I don't know think he, so. he lost, i think he, I think he yeah. has it until he meets oryx in the future so. meets her for real okay yeah, because he shows it to her at one point. That's right. She's like, no, nah, that's not me. <laughs> then we bounce back to the present time where Jimmy is realizing, or Snowman now is realizing that he needs to get a gun if he's going to survive much longer because the Pigoons, who are half pig, half baboon, I guess. I don't know what the hell they're supposed to be. They're giant boars that are genetically engineered. And the wolf logs which look like cute dogs, but are as ferocious as wolves, are getting to the point where they're no longer seeing him as a threat. So he needs to find some way to protect himself. It's said, too, that the Pigoons, some of them, like the earlier engineered ones, have possible human-type brains. Yes, yeah, because so they, they, were, they were going for because some of them, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so some of them are quite smart. They have prefrontal cortexes, human yeah, right. prefrontal cortexes, so they're capable of making like decisions, which yeah, they're, is terrifying. They're, they were originally cre uh, created as yeah. organ donor animals, basically. There, there's a point in the book where Jimmy says if they had thumbs, they would have ruled the world. Mm -hmm. <laughs> which, hey, it's a good thing they didn't give them thumbs, so <laughs> they'll figure out how to do that to themselves. There's two more books. Right? Um, oh, I forgot about that. But the wolf logs creeped me out, too, because uh, mm -hmm. I just, because they're, they're genetically engineered to be cute puppy Dogs. doggies, but yeah. they're right. ferocious wolves, mad, bloodthirsty animals. They're so not they're, domestic oh. at all. Right. Jimmy spends his days, Snowman spends his days drinking, looking for random sardine cans, <laughs> sitting in a tree, trying to stay out of the, the shade. Because this is also a world that's been decimated by climate change as well there's a huge horrible monsoon every day at noon and then it's 105 degrees for the rest of the day it's all he can do to just kind of keep Survive. dry or not 
sweat to death. Yeah, he's drinking puddle water out of a shoe when he's lucky, you know, if he can find a, a busted beer bottle to collect it in. You know. So he decides that he's going to need to go back to Renuvescence. Rejuvenescence. Rejuvenescence. Yeah. I don't know why you couldn't remember that. It's so yeah, simple. Why couldn't I, why could, I, could, I could see it in my head. It's just... I know, I can see the word because yeah, it's spelled it's got, so stupidly. It's capital letters in the middle of the words that don't belong there. Okay, so I missed that detail because I listened to it on audiobook. Mm, so yeah. I only heard the way that it was said, so I didn't okay. realize that they were spelled that way, mm-hmm. which yeah, is pretty every, cool. Everything is like a high, is, is a portmanteau word, so mm-hmm. and, and they're all spelled like incorrectly, so like, renew you would, would be a new you. It's okay. kind of like, and I'm sure this is intentional, mm-hmm. new speak from 1984. It's the same idea. I definitely got a lot of the vibes from 1984 and Brave New World, especially Brave New World. It was very, very similar. Well, the, the Krakers are pretty much what Brave New World was to be. That's like that kind of utopian society. You have to basically be cattle. You have to be as dumb as hamsters. There's no mm-hmm. room for humanity. You just have mm-hmm. to be breeding animals for all intents and purposes. Snowman decides he needs to go back to this facility that he used to live in, that he used to work on with Crick, where the whole thing started. The whole thing being the genetic engineering that Craig was doing. They go flashback to college. Craig goes to this super duper state of the art school, and Jimmy basically goes to a liberal arts college. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He goes. He goes to the community college down the street. Yeah, only because his dad bribed him in. Basically, that's really what it is. And, and it's funny the way they do it. These corporations, it's like a draft pick. The corporations yeah. will come, and like the bigger corporate corporations, colleges get to get first dibs at the high school kids that they want to bring into their company. So yeah, Craig was first draft and Jimmy barely got into anywhere at all. But he basically is in a liberal arts degree and he does his focus on advertising in the 20s. And he said he basically made up half his graduating thesis. It was on like a religion and stomach flus or something like that. Nobody gave a rat's ass to check out. You know, there was no, there was no follow through. There's no problem. There's no, his professors didn't want to be there. The students didn't want to be there. It's very interesting, the differences in the college, too, when he goes to visit Craig. Not even just in the financial ways, but the way that they treat the students. Jimmy's school is very, like, partying and hanging out. And, like, mm-hmm. Craig's school, they're like, hey, don't get distracted by sex. We'll just hire you a hooker. It's fine. Yeah. Which is, is very interesting. Well, like at if, this if, point, at this point too, so Jimmy and Craig had been spending all of their free time together until college, and now they right, start to right. kind of like drift apart a little mm-hmm. bit. So Jimmy, yeah, they don't see each in. other for like two years, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jimmy kind of like leans into the whole like college party experience, you know, and just mm-hmm. like the whole hippie college liberal arts school. Yeah, very much. Situation. Yeah, <laughs> they have very different college experiences for each. sure. Mm-hmm. Each crazy artist girlfriend is crazier and artier than yeah. the one before. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, He's looking it, for the perfect manic pixie dream girl to exactly to fill the hole that Oryx leaves behind. Mm-hmm. Or whoever the mystery girl from yeah, the, right. whoever the, the picture of the eight-year-old right. leaves right. behind. And is it while he's at school that he sees the news broadcast about the kidnapped girls, or yes. is it after? He's I like, oh. when he's in college because yeah. that would have been when supposedly Oryx would have been around 14, I believe. 
So yeah. that would have put him in college, like nineteen ish. Yeah. Yep. And is that also around the time that he found out about his mom, or no? Was that later? That was later. I think that, that was, was later. later. It was later. That was, later. Right. That was, was after with... college, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it, it was, I think you're right. It's yeah. when he's with Craig. Right. Jimmy's, oh. watching, Jimmy's watching the news one night, and he's go, um, and he and he sees a story about all of these girls who have been locked up in the garages of of creepy old men and forced into sex slavery. Well, uh, we don't know that part. We don't but... know, but that's that's what the that's what the it's insinuated. That's what the, that's what the newscasters insinuate. Yeah, yeah. Right, mm-hmm. and the, uh, the, all the girls or a lot of the girls say that they were hired as, or the the old men say they were hired as maids mm-hmm. or as like household helpers, right. basically. Right. But that they're locked in the garages because they don't speak English or whatever. It's for their safety, actually. Mm-hmm. Naturally, yes. And one of these girls is Jimmy is positive the same girl that that he had seen mm-hmm. when he was a kid. Right. Yeah. And so now the obsession, the fixation is brought right back into the forefront because mm-hmm. now she's real. Because now he's, yeah, her. now he's yeah, convinced yeah. that it's the same person and that mm-hmm. she needs to be saved by somebody. Right. Jimmy spends some time visiting, that's right, at Craig's college. And it, like you said, Amanda, it's, it's night and day. All of their needs are met by the staff. Every, all of the, the students at, at the really nice college have their own rooms. They got suites and they've got... Jimmy's amazed by the dining room table. It's, it's mm-hmm. everything is is very much. He's like, I've never had a table before. I've never That's had crazy. a table before. Yeah, yeah. And they and everyone looks down at him. They they know he they can tell he's a, a Martha a, Graham kid. He's a neurotypical. He's a neurotypical. <laughs> he's a humanities student. Yeah, he's got the yeah. liberal arts degree. Um, he's got that vibe coming off him in waves. And he talks about how even if the girls were at all interested in hooking up at school he wouldn't be interested in any of them because... i think it's the other way around he tries or they will to, both yeah he tries yeah, to yeah. hit on the women and then they're just like clearly not interested right right yeah and they're then wearing, and like... then he pulls the well i wasn't interested in them anyway that's yeah. true that's true the dude move what guys don't do that no my bad <laughs> yeah right um <laughs> just <Rick. laughs> and there's a flashback to oryx we do get an oryx chapter when she is, and it's one of the most uncomfortable chapters in the book. It goes back to when she was the kid during her hot tot days when she was a an actor on the kitty porn site. Yeah, I mean, I don't. It's it's she she was taken from her home. Mm-hmm. Her family sold her to a man that frequents. Her to man. Right. He comes right. to the village often mm-hmm. and buys mm-hmm. children. They're taken mm-hmm. to sell flowers in the city, which she did do. Right, she did do until they were sold to another person. Right, yes. and then he put her in, into the hot pot. Yeah, and what we learned from Oryx is that she is she's a tough kid. She deals with it. Oryx didn't really have much of a dimension to her. I yeah, she's she, not yeah. a lot of depth. Yeah, not a she's lot of very depth. ethereal, yeah. and I think that's on yeah. purpose. I, I actually have a lot is, to say yeah. about that, so we should circle back around to that. All right, let's uh, we'll zip through the plot real quick, and then we'll come back to, to mm-hmm. talk about some of the Okay. Um, so we get a, a very uncomfortable chapter about what it's like for a young uh, Asian girl of indiscriminate origin to be sold to mm-hmm. somebody, to be sold to men and made to do smut movies for the enjoyment of 15-year-olds in San Diego or wherever the hell. Craig graduates. Jimmy graduates. Jimmy gets a job at a marketing firm and it's kind of the the lowest of the low that's uh, a new you spa like the, yeah, kind of the, shitty, new the spa. shittiest corporation right right and it's basically they liked his thesis that he made up 
and they want him to do that. So he's basically he's doing advertising. He's doing really shitty advertising for a shitty corporation. Yeah. Well, Jimmy is a words guy. He learns. Right. He's really good at words yeah. and can make up all these words and mm-hmm. understands language really well. So yeah. he's perfect yeah. for marketing. And that's one of the things I actually one of one of the the moments. There's a couple moments where where Jimmy as Snowman is thinking about all of the words that mm-hmm. once he dies will be gone like they'll mm-hmm. no longer be oh yeah he could he yeah. fixates yeah. on words a lot yes. like the words yes. comfort him they're like a mm-hmm. just they're yeah like, they're like a mantra he just yeah. repeats dead words over and over again mm-hmm. or words right, that used right. to exist before this time period mm-hmm. yeah. which are our words which is really weird it is weird his religion is language very mm-hmm. much so mm-hmm. he he gets addicted to drugs and more sex and he spends a few years just banging the wives of his co-workers because he doesn't <laughs> want to get into it. it. It's a mutual use for use thing. So there's no real connections there. And then Crate comes out of nowhere one day and basically says, hey, I've developed this amazing new drug that it, basically it, it gets rid of all diseases. It, it, anything right. that could kill humanity. And it, is it birth removes. control and gets oh, right. And it's birth life. control. And, right, and, yeah. it, and, it's, and it enhances your libido and your sexual powers. So mm-hmm. you pop one of these pills and it, you can just fuck all day and, and never get the cold. Never be sick. Yeah. And yeah. then it's, it makes people sterile, but it doesn't tell anybody that it makes them sterile. Right. right. So they're, they're already tweaking with, with the genetics of human population. Yeah. We know that they've been genetically messing with people in a, in a, in a cosmetic sense. There's, there's definitely been stuff about new skin graphs or whatever. There's cosmetic surface level stuff, but this is, I think the first time that they talk about, this is going to change things on on a genetic level level Mm -hmm. against people's without letting them know and that's which is where you can see it going anyway it's obviously going to end that way right and that's not to say it hadn't been happening in other places anyway but first we hear about it it's first we hear about it and maybe it was just they needed a an amoral genius like craig to come along to be the first one to break the egg on that to break the yolk so he wants jimmy to come and work for him as his advertising guy to do the marketing for this new miracle drug for the miracle drug Bliss Plus. Which with, sounds like a miracle drug. So. And it's B-L-Y-S-S-S capital P-L-U-S-S. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy does, and when and while he's there, he finds Oryx has also been working for Crake. And you learn that Crake has basically been hunting her down as well since they both saw her on the, the hot talk. Mm-hmm. So basically that the, the same time, mm-hmm. because when he hired out for a hooker at college, he mm-hmm. asked specifically for one that looked like that photo. Like he brought that photo out, that mm-hmm. stilled image, which yeah, is so also good. disturbing that their college could just be like, Oh, here's an image of a toddler in porn. Can you find me someone that looks like her? That's well, like the adult version. Right. Cause you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a creep, so. but I've been carrying this around since I was eight or whatever the case. So again, we don't know if it's the same girl, but she looks like, the girl from the yep. video, at least, yeah, yeah. And he knows from the beginning that Crake is possibly in love with this girl. He says it like right from the jump that mm-hmm. he's like, "I can see it in his face." I've never seen Crake in love before, but right. he's in love now. Well, right. the next chapter when he realizes that Oryx is here is called Crake in Love. He initially says he's my only friend, mm-hmm. and this is the only time he's ever been in love. She's I've got no off. interest. I got to back off this girl that I've been mm-hmm. obsessed with for my entire life. This this manic pixie dream girl that I've built up in my yes. head for the past. He does attempt to be the good person. And it lasts about a paragraph. He attempts it. Kind of. 
Oh, then but then she comes to him. She seduces right. him. Yeah. Not not that much seduction yeah. was needed. And they begin a relationship. And Which... we don't know if Craig knows or not. I think he probably we don't, did. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy certainly gets starts to expect, suspicious yeah. of it. He gets paranoid. Uh, and Oryx floats through the world like nothing can touch her. Like a uh, butterfly. And right. her job is to basically distribute the Bliss Plus pill mm-hmm. as like a tester because she can like infiltrate circles a lot easier than people from right. the institution can. She's much more like accepted in the plea lands and in the outside world and stuff. And so she's passing out Bliss Plus pills to people. And she's lived in the plea lands, so she's right. used to, yeah. But she's she also like the liaison, yeah, for them. right. And then she's also the liaison between Crake and the Crakers, right? Because she's basically their teacher. Well, because that's her they most never important job for sure, right? They never see Crake. They've never seen his face. Mm-hmm. They know of him, but they don't know what he looks like or what he sounds like. They don't know yeah. anything right about him physically. Yeah, the first right. time you the first time you meet the Crakers, they are still in this compound. And they are living in a terrarium, basically. <laughs> and Craker's, hey, I want to show you the really cool thing I've been working on to Jimmy. Because he's taking them around. He's showing them, look, we're growing chickens that, that are just made for food. And they don't have brains. They're just tubs of chicken meat. And they're making all this crazy stuff. Yeah, that's super this gross. Is, this is the cool thing that I want to show you. And it's a bunch of fucking people. He's like, look, I made people. You know, Whoops, I made a new society. My bad. Or a whole new species. Oh, look at what I did. And, and then he goes through and he's like, we, we took some pheromone repellent from skunks and i took the the baboon mating rituals and and uh they have the brains of basically bonobos and like so he's listing through all of these genetic mutations that he built into these people that are designed mm-hmm. to make them impervious they're immortal and that's when craig says no my my idea of immortality isn't personal immortality it's it's the species living on and, and in his mind he's brought out everything terrible about being right. human yep uh, jealousy's gone, anger's gone, resentment's gone, greed is gone. Lust. Con- you know, yeah, Hunger, lust is gone, fear. no conception. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's that perfect blissful state. It's Adam and Eve before they ate from the tree of good and evil. It's- yeah, the parallels of the Garden of Eden is very, it is. very yeah. I don't, yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's all uh, on the nose. It's like, hey, do you get it? Do you get it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Too over the head with it. Um, but so Oryx like, is teaching yes. the Krakers about yes. the world. What they can eat, what they can't. Mm-hmm. Um, she goes in there so they don't wear clothes. She goes in there without clothes. She tells them what animals are and how to do all these things yes. that they need to survive. Um, and just about themselves and stuff. But she's the only person that they ever meet. They know she's... Yeah, and they, and they know she's different because she shows up out of nowhere. They give her the green eyes, but they, they can the... tell she's different. She wears contacts when she's in right. And the, right, they right. spray her with a pheromone. That's right. They don't try They don't get freaked her. out by her smell. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. It doesn't smell blue is what they say. Yep, yeah. yep. So they know she's different. They know she's set apart. And, and it's basically as their society, finger quotes, progresses, yeah. she becomes a, a god-like figure as well. Because or... she taught them about all the animals and everything. They became right. her animals. Right, they're orcs animals, yeah. Hi, Rick just joined us. He popped up. Snowman is making a trek to the, the facility, and you get a little glimpse of, of how crazy the world has become. He, he does the whole, everything's destroyed, and oh, look, I found a cigarette, and I was thrilled by that, and I don't like to sleep in people's houses because I think about all the fact that these dead people <laughs> slept on them. And and so he, he goes through the, the wasteland for a while, gets chased by some pigoons, 
once he gets to the compound, gets chased by... Which something. it becomes very obvious at that point, like how intelligent the Pagoons were made. Yes, yes. Because they basically corner him. They trap him, basically, with yeah, another he gets, group. He gets to the compound, and he sees a couple of Pagoons. He's like, oh, shit. And he runs and, and manages to hold himself up into the guard tower, but not before realizing that the, the, some of the Pagoons have zipped around the other way, and they basically pinched him and ambushed him. They walked him into a trap. So they're thinking, they're planning... And then he spends the next couple of days stuck up there. With the supplies. Goons. He actually yeah, gets the best supplies he's ever had since the apocalypse happens, technically. And he's up there for a couple of days. And then that's about when we learn what the apocalypse actually was. It for develops the... over flashbacks that kind of come to a conjoining story. But I kind of like that. I like the fact that they started to show you bits and pieces of yeah. what really happened. Mm-hmm. So the, the apocalypse turns out to be a super flu of some sort that was actually started in the Bliss Plus pills. Yeah, they were basically like a time-release death capsule. Exactly. And Craig was the only one who knew. Not, not, not even Oryx knew what this was. So here she was giving all these pills out to everybody, thinking that they're doing all this market research, they're going all over the place, and then there's a time-release and... And it only takes a couple of days, maybe a week, before all of humanity is dead, except for Snowman, who has gotten the vaccine unknowingly. Because he was trying to get over Oryx by not wanting to be with her by going into the Plebeians and hiring hookers, basically. And so Craig is like, hey, let me give you some anti-STD vaccines to keep you safe from any of the crap right. out there. Super antiviral. Yeah. Turns out it was... Not even just for STIs, it's everything. Just for anything, yeah. So that he wouldn't get anything by going into the plea plans, yeah. Because Jimmy was one of the few people who was allowed to leave the compound. Mm-hmm. But that was basically because he was Craig's number two. But yeah, so Craig, um, Jimmy didn't know that he'd been getting inoculated all this time. Um, so Craig disappears. Orcs is off wherever. And that's the thing, Orcs disappears all the time and never tells him where she's going. She's ephemeral and mysterious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she is. Jimmy's in charge of the compound because Craig put him in charge. And so when all the shit goes down, Jimmy shuts everything down. He boards himself up into the command center, changes the locks on the door, and basically just watches everybody else die on a TV screen. For a couple weeks. It's just death constantly. Even, like, the newscasters are dying on TV. Everyone's mm-hmm. dropping dead, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, he said that they, there was some that set up their camera to watch them themselves die for the ratings. I mean, yeah. she did She did say where, allegedly, she was going to go and that she'd be back. Right. I just don't think that she knew. Well, what the last time happen. she leaves, she goes to get pizza. But she does call him later and says that she's so sorry and that she didn't know. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I think that she was being legit and saying, hey, I'm just going to go out and get this and I'll be right back. Oh, yeah. yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't think Orcs was in on it at all. Craig was playing her just right as much as he was playing anybody. Sure. Craig shows up eventually and he's like hey jimmy let me in and she's like no you could have it i'm not i'm not letting you in and he's like i don't fucking have it i wouldn't give it to myself let me in Mm -hmm. and then the camera pans down and craig is holding oryx who looks like she's got it she's bleeding from her ears and nose uh i think she's actually just passed out so we don't know she's covered in blood though yeah she's covered in she says she's covered in brown stains and blood or something like that but we still I, don't know if it's her blood it's covered in blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I it's, assumed it's that it was more pretty like, ambiguous. I assumed that it was more like Craig took her violently, or that you no. Know, I people. assume it's other people. 
that's what I was gonna say next. I would actually wouldn't have assumed that Craig would have like taken her violently or by force. I think he might have rescued her, right. quote unquote, right. from whatever situation she was stuck in. Yeah. But she passed out, and it's seemingly yeah. by drugs, like that she was drugged. Yeah. So Jimmy opens the door to let them in, and I should have or, marked it. And Craig uh, has a knife to Oryx's throat, and Jimmy has a gun, and he kills Craig after Craig well, slits Oryx's throat. Yep. Yeah. As Jimmy watched, frozen with disbelief, Craig let Oryx fall backwards over his left arm. He looked at Jimmy, a direct look, unsmiling. I'm counting on you, he said. Then he slit her throat. Jimmy shot him. So that's how it ends. Or that's how their story ends. Craig very much put Jimmy in charge of not just the compound, but humanity's next step for all intents and purposes. He put put him in charge of the Craigers. Yeah, because at this point, he had already locked out the security guards, right? Yeah, they were all oh, dead. At this point, everybody yeah. was dead. And he locked everybody yeah. else the out. Lab yeah. Workers. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. yeah. I think, honestly, that was smart. His logic of, there's three of them and one of me, and mm-hmm. overpowering. Sure. I think he we'll was get desperate. Right mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. There's only one way to survive the apocalypse, and it's by fucking over other people. That's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Disagree, but in this case, yes. Okay. Or by, Or by genetically... Engineering a, a, a new race of people to. I mean, that's the other obvious answer. Duh. So we shoot back to the present. Jimmy has managed. Snowman has managed to get himself out of the guard tower. He has evaded all the bagoons. Uh, he finds his old room. He finds Orc and Craig's bodies where he left them, however many years ago. Gets himself resupplied. Heads back to 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 home to the Craigers. And he sees some smoke. No, and we also find out that Snowman, as Jimmy, led the Krakers out of the compound in the first place. And he so. sees the smoke is significant because the Krakers only make small fires. Make they small never fires. make large fires. Mm-hmm. Also, I think of note here is that I, I can't remember if it was before he gets to his old room or after, but there's the wind-up radio, and he briefly mm. hears yes. someone else. Yes, yes. He hears a, he, a Russian voice on a radio. And he does hear yeah. another in English. Mm. But then he ends up having to, he forgets the radio behind. And also, he couldn't remember how to switch it over. I think that's important. He's he's getting the impression that there are other people out there. Something that he's been looking for, you know, other other people like him, survivors. Until this point, I think it's very, very clearly written as he's the lone survivor. Yeah, as far as he's concerned, he believes there's no one else. So he sees the smoke and he hears the voice. And and even, you know, it's set up so you're reading it and you're like, oh, he's we know he's delusional half the time. We know he sees things. He talks about having visions of Oryx and other people all the time. He couldn't mm-hmm. just be imagining mm-hmm. this, you know. He gets back to the Krakers and he finds that they have made an effigy. They have made an, an idol and they are all <laughs> kneeling around it going, oh men, no men. And he's like, are they, are they praying that thing and saying oh, amen? And he gets a little closer and they see it's him and they all, hey, he's back. Snowman, you're back. And he's like, what we the hell is this thing? We prayed for your safe return. He's like, we wanted you to come back, so we made this picture to think of you. And then and then you came back, so it worked. So they've prayed and a miracle has happened. So they've now added to the mythology themselves for the yes. first time. Which I think it's interesting because Craig talks about how he edited out God and made them perfect. But they still find ways. I thought of Jurassic Park 
frequently throughout whenever they're talking about it. Life finds a way. He did say that there's some things that he couldn't edit out. Some things were ingrained in the human psyche. And in that... God was one of them. He thought that he could edit out God, but it turns out that God was one that couldn't be edited. Or a religion or mythology. Because he said art idea. was the hardest. To... But here they are. They're making... Effigies. They're making representations. They're saying prayers. And I think the um, one thing to note about this point is that Snowman has cut his foot. Yes. And his foot oh, has gotten yeah. infected. And mm-hmm. so he's limped all the way back to his yes. home with an mm-hmm. infected foot. And he's starting to become like feverish and even more delusional, arguably. Yep. He, he found some of that super vaccine back at the compound he gave himself a couple shots so that probably saved him but you know that foot's infected he might lose that foot that's kind of the the underwritten wasn't there something like they heal each other by singing yeah their vibrations of their purring is genetically designed to aid in their own healing or something like that right so but when one of the crakers gets sick or cuts themselves like the grown-ups will purr at them and then the cut will heal up so they try to do that Mm -hmm. but since he's a different species like he feels yeah i feel better and they're like we'll just keep doing it then but you can tell he feels better because i think it's more somebody has showing some concern and care for him not so much that they're fixing his foot by singing yeah. at him. but then he they tell him we were afraid you weren't going to come back after those other three people came and they tell him about these three people who wore second skins like he did loose skins but ran off when they saw them they got scared and ran away so now he knows there are other people to be fair, they wave their blue dicks at them. They, they wave their dicks at them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would also um, be alarmed. So because, oh, that's right, yeah. the woman was in heat. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. There's yeah. two men and a woman, and they think right. the woman is blue. I've right. read the other books, and like I know that story. And Jesus Christ, dude. Well, Oryx had to put the like citrus stuff. Right. So yeah. they didn't think the that pheromones. She was in heat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they have different pheromones. Right. Yeah. But at the end of the book, he goes and he finds these three people and, and it ends with him just about to yes. decide whether he's going to approach them or... Mm-hmm. And that's the plot of Oryx and Craig. There's a lot of themes in this book. Um, They're really subtle. That, you're so <laughs> subtle. Real subtle. I mean, Mar- Margaret Atwood is is a satirist at heart and, and, mm-hmm. and subtlety has never been one of her stories. No, not at all. She hammers things home. Um, and this book is no, no different from that. So Kayla, I know anytime we, we brought up Oryx, you were ready to jump all over that. So what are some of your thoughts about Oryx? So you? I think she's intentionally kept vague, but mm-hmm. I really like how she's not a martyr. She never pities herself and that's kind of on purpose. Like the whole time Jimmy is like furious with her situation. Every story, he needs every detail from her and he's like, I can't believe that those men would do that to you. I mm-hmm. need their names and their locations. I'm going to go kick their ass. And every time she's just like, it's okay. That's just how the world is. Like she denies that the man in the garage, that that was her. At any time, he den- she denies it's her. But when he finally convinces her to like, just uh, agree, basically, to just be like, yeah, it was me. Then she, even then she's like, well, it was fine. He saved me. It was every, a good thing. Every story that she shares she shares as little as possible and she says the men helped her that Mm -hmm. they did something good for her and that she wouldn't be where she is without these men and it's it's really jarring as a reader because you want to get up in arms about it because obviously these men are predators and Mm -hmm. they're abusers and to her it's like she would have never gone out of her village she would have never spoken english she would have never met craig and gotten the job that gotten she an had. education and yeah. everything even, that she achieved was because of these people and she even said like she probably would have starved to death because yeah. if she hadn't done that 
further off. And it wasn't, it's not even, this is why it's so interesting to me, because it's not even, like, she's never a victim from her perspective. Everything that she has accomplished, she has accomplished because of these experiences. And even though they're bad to the outsider, to her, they're a gift, which is really fucked up to us. Mm -hmm, But it makes her not a martyr, which means that she's not this poor, innocent person that we have to feel sorry for, necessarily. Right, like, you want to feel bad for these things happening to her or be angry about them, but also it's very conflicting. You don't know how you're supposed to react to it. Mm -hmm. But I think that kind of is part of one of the major themes of the fact that this pre-apocalyptic future that these people live in, all of this really shitty stuff is just commonplace. You know, right. like, you can just get kitty porn on the internet. You can just watch people kill themselves on the internet. And that's just what teenage boys do when they smoke weed. It's not that big of a well, deal, right? And something right. you and I were you and I were talking about yesterday whenever I finished the book was mm-hmm. not obviously kitty porn. But I remember 20 years ago that, like, YouTube had porn before Google bought it. Oh, you mean when Two Girls, One Cup was just everywhere on the <laughs> oh, internet? God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. I remember just <laughs> oh, in, like, middle school or I high school. I just bring that up. Where, like, kids would get Welcome. something rotten.com, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, thanks. The same kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, Jimmy and Craig are looking at. I saw some terrible shit. Yeah. You know, well, that's the rotten. point. It's no different. Yeah. It's just become more mainstream, more accepted. Yeah. You know, it's like a regular part of growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, once the internet came about, there was no hiding the the monstrosity that humanity is i mean it's gotten it's gotten somewhat but some of that stuff has gotten cleaned up and it's not like on the mainstream as yeah it's just the dark web now but i think all that ties into the fact that corporations rule the world in the future Uh the corporations control the internet they control these sites I, I was gonna say well, exactly, but that's in like, the future, Rick. In the future, that's the, the like apocalyptic part of the story, mm-hmm. though, is yeah. that yeah. only that you can only survive if you are part of the corporation. Everybody else is pushed out to the literal like plebe lands where you're yeah. gonna die at forty. So reading this book now and knowing that things like the Amazon housing things exist, or you know stuff like that, it's a little on the nose of what's going to happen in the future, you know? Considering it was written 20 years ago. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, reading it now, but, yeah. and then you're like, wow, uh, that's disturbing. Yeah. I mean, we read this, we look at the Amazon thing, we're like, oh my gosh, what a horrible dystopian, late stage capitalism, you know, everyone living on the, for but the company. But it was also a thing, you know. But it was a thing hundred years that. ago. The miners lived in the mining town and mining script. It was pretty fucked up then too, though, so. It was definitely, it was absolutely yeah. fucked up. And I was it was good. It's the problem is, and, Margaret Atwood saw it 20 years ago. She saw it 40 years ago with Handmaid's Tale. She saw it. The progress that we have made to stave off the effects of capitalism and society in decline, we have pulled back in the interest of corporations. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it, it always yeah. comes down to the balance of what's more important, humanity or money, basically. Right. Yeah, right. Uh, and, and innovation. The innovation is important, but it always comes at the expense of people. Not even always, just at people. Like the, oh shit, what was it called? The chicken, the chicken uh, knobs. Chicken knobs. Yeah. Yeah. Chicken knobs. And the chickens with no, like their mouths were like in the middle of their bodies or mm-hmm. something. So I know that was supposed to be like the kind of like creepy boogeyman, like genetic that, splicing that thing. Was... But I actually kind of thought that was a good idea because the chickens don't have feeling. Like the pigoons have frontal cortexes and they mm-hmm. can make decisions and they can feel things. So like yeah. they're literally just cutting their organs out live and letting right. them regrow their organs. And then the chickens are just 
they don't have brains. Yeah. Like, they're just being yeah. bred for their organs, which is like very They're meat. Yeah. Yeah. And humanitarian, yeah. but at least they don't feel or think. As it is now, we do raise animals for meat. Yeah. And yeah. they do have brains and thoughts yeah. and feelings. That actually makes a lot of sense. Still super weird, but Yeah. I'm still uncomfortable about it. But they talked about some other well, Jimmy's uncomfortable about it the whole time. He yeah. first sees them when he's younger and he's like, This is fucked up i wouldn't eat this and then he tries yeah, one he's like oh it's actually pretty and good then 10 and then... years later 10 years later all he's doing is laying in bed naked with orc scarfing down exactly. chicken knobs like it's yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah he says at some point when he goes to visit craig he's like oh i was so used to the chicken but they do talk about some of the other innovations like they're able to grow other things through plants and stuff like mm -hmm. that it's still mm -hmm. i think that's interesting because they're able to like genetically splice a lot of things including plants but that's because of the climate crisis where they can't grow right. those plants anymore yeah. so they mm -hmm. genetically engineer plants that could grow in the new climate which is unfortunately something we're probably gonna have to do pretty soon because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. you know talking about the the massive heat waves and the storms that's literally happening right now oh, yeah. mm -hmm. we've been living through yeah. the yeah. the beginnings of that so i've that read way. these i've read orcs and crake three times and i've read the trilogy all the way through twice they continue the story a lot and give you a lot more insight into the pre-epidemic thing as well. But reading it 20 years ago, I was like, damn, that's scary, you know? Like, oh my god, the environments and the genetic testing. And then I reread it like five years ago and I was like, damn, that's scary. And it just, it hits the same every time I've read it. It's the same mm -hmm. feeling of just kind of like... That's where we're headed. <laughs> I could also see it like hitting a little bit harder because it's like, well, 20 it's years later. It's yeah. not sci-fi anymore. Yeah, the, I know. Closer, yeah, yeah. the closer yeah. we get to it, the more terrifying it is to read it. And it, that's the weird thing. You know, obviously there's a lot of sci-fi like Star mm -hmm. Wars and Star Trek that's still so far off. I remember in the 90s growing up hearing about cyberpunk. We live in like the very beginnings of cyberpunk. Oh, yeah. Like mm -hmm. we have so much of the technology. We're just not as massive and as technological in every aspect but we're pretty damn close mm -hmm. and it's weird so what did everybody else think about oryx since that's what we were talking about originally my bad no it's okay. okay no we all went on a tangent it's a discussion yeah it's a club it's a <laughs> club discussion i thought oryx was very much a stand-in for the climate and nature and the way that we were treating the earth interesting I think that's the thing that the book expects. You know, you have the Krakers and then the children of Oryx. Right, right. Are all the animals and things. She's very much constantly despoiled by the people that she comes in contact with, but even the people like who profess to love her. Mm -hmm. so yeah. She keeps spinning. Um, Interesting. I like that. She though. keeps she keeps going, um, and 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 in the end, she becomes a mother of a whole new race of, in the sense of a whole new race of people. Craig and Jimmy don't deserve Oryx. Much like the way we've treated a planet, we don't deserve it either. I think if Margaret Atwood, maybe not now, but 20 years ago, she probably would have put some serious thought into letting the Krakers out in the wild and, and, mm -hmm. and pushing the button. You know, I, I think I've heard a lot of futurists and philosophers talk about maybe humanity's one ending is not a bad thing in the long run. I can't remember where I saw it, but recently I also saw uh, a discussion. Actually, no, I do know. I think it was uh, Hank Green who talked about the fact that at this point, yes, it would be better in some ways if humanity wasn't here, but 
we've caused these problems that are not going to go away if we just disappear tomorrow. Right. And it's going to require an intelligent species like to us to fuck it up. Yeah. yeah, to fix it. That's giving a lot of credit to humanity to actually fix it, though, which is the and, problem. Because at the stage yeah. that we are at right now, right. humanity isn't going to do anything about it, even though we know it's a problem. At this point, most people we, have accepted that it's a problem. Years. They know it's a problem. They know it's something that we need to fix. And their solution is like, I guess we'll just make sure that cars have to be electric by 2040. It'll be fine. The thing is, but the thing is, well, it's not even humanity. It's We're going to make rocket ships. Yeah, I want right. to go to space. Yeah, it's yeah. literally the billionaires. Right. Yeah, off. it's the people in control. Which is exactly yeah. what's happening in Orcs and Crake, where exactly. the corporations and people with money are building these walls and these fancy compounds and hiding behind them. Chickens that they that they can eat that don't have feelings. And they're making skin that's able to be renewed. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They have all the science. They have all the technology. They have all these genius uh, neuroatypical kids. The um, problem is finding ways to make uh, fixing the environment a something that will bring in money that's really that's exactly what it is the only thing keeping the society in orcs and crake and us our society from fixing the shit that we broke is that it's not profitable in the long run it's not profitable in the short term very profitable in the long run when we're all still here so Um, what i'm hearing is it's not the problem wow that's the first time i've heard that guys that's so weird capitalism might be the problem (laughs) hot take Every time that she would talk about some amazing genetic thing that they thought up, that when when Craig was in college, just like, oh, this is my senior thesis. I'm re-engineering body, blah, blah, blah. You know, whatever the hell it is. It was like, you could have fed freaking countries with that. You know, you have a pig that regrows human organs. Why why do only three people get access to this? Craig came up with a, a vaccine that fixes everything. And yet instead he decided to kill everybody. Why didn't he... Give the vaccine out, you know? You can make all of this food. You can make all of this medicine. They weren't worthy. Well, here was the problem is with the medicine that he had to distribute and stuff was because he eventually had to give something to the corporation for them to make money off of. He was holding off, you know, at some point there was going to be an end point where they wouldn't continue to fund his science because he wasn't coming up with something quantifiable. Yeah. The Bliss plus pill wasn't his big project. It was the Craker. Paradise I mean, Stone. Like he keeps pushing off because he knows they'll mm-hmm. try well, to push Well, I think the most interesting thing with the Bliss plus situation is that he engineered the virus so well that he would be able to take it out of the pill as they distributed it. So he was distributing some batches with the virus, other mm-hmm. batches without. So some people would take the pill and get addicted to it, but not have the virus. And then they would take it again. And then that one would have the virus. Mm-hmm. And he was controlling the flow of the virus that way different populations were getting hit at certain times for maximizing the damage yeah he right. timed, timed it all so mm-hmm. how much of this and how long had craig been planning this i mean clearly quite a while i think the biggest point that they make is when he is in high school and he's playing the extinctathon game this mm-hmm. is how everybody gets their code names that's how they become craig and oryx and thick knee which is jimmy <laughs> And everybody has an extinct animal name and he's talking to these really scientific people online about all this sort of stuff and coming up with plans and i think that's this his whole life he sees the world differently and yeah because those are the people he sense to him those are the people he he ends up recruiting to work for this project is the right. people that did this because they were the people that were coming up with these 
pandemics in this video game. So he had them engineering these parts of this thing where they didn't know what the end game of what they were creating was, but they knew the part that they needed to create. And he even, knew that they could do it. But right. not even just in the game. Whenever, no, a lot of them were actual eco terrorists. Yeah, yeah, whenever yeah. Uh, yeah. Jimmy came to visit, oh, yeah. he, he yeah. shows them, like, hey, here's this secret part of the game where mm-hmm. it's this meeting and whatever. And he's like, well, I haven't gotten in, I've just gotten to the lobby. But he is talking about how they've got all these things that are destroying infrastructure and. Mm-hmm just fucking things up. They use it as a coded chat room, essentially, mm-hmm. to chat yeah. about all of the things that they've been accomplishing as far as eco-terrorism goes. An interesting theme that I saw talked about is how Jimmy represents the arts and mm-hmm. how the arts have been pushed aside by humanity in favor right. of science. And so right. they've yeah. been kind of degraded mm-hmm. and how he's an artsy guy and he goes to this artsy college and it's just a piece of shit. And then Craig is the science guy and he's smart and he's well endowed in his life and he gets everything he wants and he gets all this money and fame and blah, blah, blah. And the science <laughs> and he probably is what... killed his parents. And yeah, yeah, exactly. That too. <laughs> and even Craig understands in the end, the person best suited to is the artsy fartsy guy. Do we think that Craig ever trusted Jimmy or did he contr- trust him completely the entire time? I wouldn't say completely. I think it was... No. I think there was trust there. I think that was like the only person he was close to, mm-hmm. but I don't think it was complete trust. And, and I, I don't think his feelings for, for Jimmy were ever fully real. I think he saw Jimmy as the person he needed to fulfill this yes. part of the goal. He's just a tool. Uh, he was a tool, basically. And he kept him close because that's how he had to maintain that tool. So Honestly, he's been grooming Jimmy oh, for as absolutely. long as they've known each other. Yeah. Be his perfect second in command mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is why i think this whole thing he's been planning something whether whether it was going to be letting loose a virus that killed off half the world or you know he's going to do something lend to the extinction of mankind nothing else is going to save the earth that, his craker project couldn't do what it needed to do with humanity still working side by side it wasn't an option can't right. the crakers can't do what they need to do as long as humans are still there fucking it up but at the same time going back to what i was saying earlier the hank green thing the Krakers can't fix the problems. They don't understand most of the world. They and can't so... fix the problems, but they are designed to survive the problems. They I are... think that was more okay. the idea that the Earth yeah. was, in theory, going to repair itself or become a different type of place. So, yeah, They're like the, the first time, step so... in the evolution for people mm-hmm. to be able to live on the planet again. All it would take was that tornado mm-hmm. going and wiping out that one group because there's just the one group of Krakers. I thought Craig was manipulating things from the very start. I think he, he found Oryx specifically to keep Jimmy engaged. Oh, you think so? Oh, yeah. It makes sense, actually. I didn't think of that, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That is interesting. Craig mentions you could request specific things. I don't right. even know if he necessarily found the same girl. I think that Oryx just looks a hell of a yeah, we, we, yeah, just her just being like, no, that really wasn't me. That's what yeah, I don't I even know if it was to keep... Was her or not. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if it was to keep Jimmy engaged or to keep him distracted. Both. I actually yeah. assumed that they yeah. both became obsessed at the same point and that she was like a fixation for both of them. Because he uses her picture as the lily pad to get mm-hmm. into the extinctathon. He mm-hmm. He saves her likeness to use in college to find other Yeah, women. I forgot about the link in the extinctathon. Um, I forgot about like, that. It shows at different points throughout the story while it's building up that each of them has some sort of obsession with her. That's what I got out of it. See, I think if Craig is obsessed with Oryx, 
it's because he saw that Jimmy is obsessed and he feels like maybe this is something that I need to be obsessed I, with. I disagree. That's interesting. I, I, I think that Kayla's pretty spot on about that, that I think it's both of them in different ways, obviously. Yeah. You know, Craig's is a little bit more manipulative and using well, I, her. I think Jimmy's is meant to be more like a sexual romantic yeah. ideology and Craig's mm -hmm. is meant to be more like a realistic, like I can use this person but this might be the yep. only person that I would ever be interested in type of thing. Exactly. I yeah, can use this person to further manipulate my friend who I need to be able to I mean, do it's this an interesting idea. I don't think it is just for Jimmy. I honestly don't. No. I don't either. He knew Jimmy was interested in her from the very beginning because he's that's the only time he ever asked him to print screen something. And if he wanted her around exclusively for Jimmy, he wouldn't have kept her around to use for sex himself. Exactly. And it's true. the only woman that we really know that he actually has a sexual interest in, mm -hmm. other than the handful of women that he but pays for in college for, sex that for, look for Well, that's her. the thing. Sex for Craig has never been any more than transactional to... to right. So whether but it's... why bother? Because she's not... She's not giving him anything other than the she's sexual teaching pleasure. His mm -hmm. But... But, that but she doesn't need to have sex with him to do that. Yeah. No, exactly. but she's doing it for him. Right. It's like and we've already she's confirmed, like, like his sexual mm -hmm. piece. Do you think that maybe it's that she expects that from him because that's what she was hired for originally? Like it would maybe make her suspicious if he didn't. I don't I, think I don't, she, no because no. she's with Craig before she's ever with Jimmy and she basically tells Jimmy that's what Craig wanted and so she's just doing what Craig is asking and he's really easy to please and then she just leaves and then she has some sort of relationship with Jimmy that we don't really understand. Yeah. That is more than just her going over to have sex with him. I don't think that Oryx doesn't have feelings for Craig. Obviously there's some hero worship there if nothing else. I just don't think he sees her as anything more than a tool. I don't think Craig right. sees people as anything more than game pieces. He He's playing does... a stinkathon with, with, with the world. These are all just pieces for him. But I think yeah. he does have feelings for her, which is why yeah, he agree. cuts her throat instead yeah. of just letting her die, you know? And he yeah, doesn't ever let whole... her take the Bliss Plus pills. He's protecting yeah. her that whole time. Yeah. I think to... he purposely brings her in as his assistant because mm -hmm. he's trying to keep her as close as possible before he starts distributing the pills. Do you think that he killed her maybe just because he wanted Jimmy to be the only person left to be the connection between the characters? I Krakers? think that's part of it. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was... Killing her was death by, by cop, basically. He mm -hmm. knew that Jimmy would shoot oh, yeah. him if, if he hurt her. Yeah. And I think he knew that Jimmy would kill... Craig knew that Jimmy mm -hmm. would kill him if he killed mm -hmm. Oryx. And also, he didn't yeah. want Oryx to be with Jimmy, probably, is the right. part of the piece yeah. that we don't know about. Yeah, I don't I mean, know. I don't know if they, that's true, but... I go I back and forth. They, yeah. they, they do hint at that, though. Yeah. We don't know if it's Jimmy just being paranoid. But Craig is super intelligent, so he probably knows, but does he care? That's the big question in my mind. That's, like, that's what I always do. I, I he think Craig... probably knows, but does he care? I think he yeah, thinks it's useful. About, Good. Yeah. Yeah. About, like, yeah. We could run away. You know, Jimmy's like, oh, yeah. we could run away. But then Oryx mentions Craig would find us. Mm -hmm. He would right. look for us. So obviously he cares. Otherwise, he wouldn't come looking for them. But or does he care because they're, they're part of his in they space know too, They know too much. They're yeah. pawns in his game. Yeah. Does he care in the same way that the corporation cared about jimmy's mom like i don't think that mm -hmm. he is in love with oryx or loves jimmy in that kind of way he just mm -hmm. uses them they are just tools to him but that doesn't yeah. mean they care it's just his own way of caring yeah i interpret it as both of them being obsessed with her in different ways since they're mm -hmm. such totally opposite people 
mm-hmm. and then kind of coming together for this big project and having to essentially share her. I think that if they had tried to go public with it to be like a couple or something, then it would have been a problem, you know? It would have been a bad option. Taking her yeah. away, killed yeah. her or something like that. But I, I think you knew in the trial. But I guess now that you say it, Caitlin, think, when I think about it, every time that we've seen that Jimmy saw orcs, which we can assume that Craig saw or, orcs around the same at the same time, she was always in a terrible situation, but she was so self-possessed. And mm-hmm. even when terrible things were being done to her, she was still somehow in charge of the situation. Maybe Craig came to admire, this is a person who can navigate horribly difficult social situations they would be a great person to go into the blue lands to hand out my drug that's going to kill everybody off great person to be the mother of these crakers she won't won't judge me for Mm -hmm. killing the human race yeah right she won't judge me for doing what needs to be done because she's always done what needs to be done she's also done what needs to be done so what did, did we like this book? Because I know it had some strong themes and some other people that had started to read it couldn't follow through because it was a little yeah. triggering and a lot of heavy content, which I totally mm-hmm. get. But was it an enjoyable book to read? I liked it. I enjoyed it. I want to sure. read the next two. Yeah, I really do. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll, like, I'll probably read the next two. You and I talked about Kayla. Some of the stuff, it's not, I wouldn't say that it's gratuitous because they really don't go into like explicit details. No. Where it mm-hmm. feels like they're like, approving of this you know they're mm-hmm. just kind of saying like, just how happened. it is yeah exactly yeah. it's very matter of fact i do think that some of it was maybe unnecessary they probably could have been even more vague on it and not gone quite so much into i think it's intentional though to build the anger in the reader that then right. is expressed by the by Oryx herself, you know? Yeah, and then, no, and then you get mad at Oryx for not caring. It's mm-hmm. like, be upset yeah. about the terrible shit that was done to you, you know? Yeah. You... But she's not a victim. Yeah, It's maybe not even the same girl. We don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the thing. It's still a mystery. It's never confirmed, she, yeah. She does tell a lot of stories, or, you know, allegedly she, she told these yeah. stories about yeah. awful things that were done. So we do know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. even if the original video and the, the news right. story mm-hmm. and whatever else aren't her, that... I mean, yeah. I think because she was from the Clevelands that we should just assume that bad things happened to her. Yeah, that's exactly it. Whether she's the same girl or not, yeah. she, had the bad life. Is, but, she had a bad life. Yeah. But Kayla, I, I think yeah. you're absolutely right. I think that it is a tool, again, to build that in the reader. Personally, I feel just like it's, it's uncomfortable. I mean, there's other but... ways to do it, but you're right. It could have been worse as well. So yeah, exactly. it's kind of yeah. towing the line for quite a bit of it. Yeah, I think we have to look at the time frame the book was written, too. Yeah. That too. Exactly. Yeah. 20 years ago at the, when, when the internet as a horrible dark thing was just starting to become, yeah. would have felt more, oh God, this, you know. And, and yeah. it did. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. And it still yeah. kind of does. I mean, I think mm-hmm. we're just a little more used to seeing that kind of stuff now. Yeah. And maybe that's our right. you know, maybe We've grown to sensitize too. Maybe that But be... I think that's the point in that whole narrative mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. it's written so casually and it's so accepted by the society yes. that it's not a big deal. Right, because right. it's just been so commonplace for generations mm-hmm. that this is right. just how right. people are and nobody right. actually cares right. about it anymore. Yeah. Right. Which is why I think it's so uncomfortable for people to read it that way, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I I can fully support that. So while it is a little uncomfortable and I, I wish that there was a little bit less of it, I mm-hmm. do agree that I think it's necessary in its own way. I will say that if you guys are interested in reading the other two, which I would recommend, it's an amazing rest of the story. The story opens up so much more from what happens to Jimmy. There is some essay moving forward in the story. 
it's not gratuitous, but it is a major plot point for the rest sure. of the story. It's Margaret Atwood. And, that's and then there's standard, just a yeah. lot in general of just like sex work and stuff mm-hmm. because that is also pretty common in the society. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of yeah. kind of like abuse within that industry as well. Yeah. But no more like kitty porn. No more kitty such. stuff. Well, yeah. that's good. Great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. the give and take, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And obviously a lot more violence, but mm-hmm. as so. as most apocalyptic yeah. narratives tend to go. On the scale of Margaret Atwood, has anybody read any of her other novels? I read The Handmaid's Tale. Aside from the other two, yeah, you read one's read Handmaid's Tale? And I read some short stories from her before. I have not mm -hmm. read it yet, but I also bought this one. Oh, you brought the Penelope yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. That's her retelling of the end of of the Odyssey, basically. When Odysseus gets back to, yeah. This was a pretty grim... I don't think the end is explicitly dark. I mean, it is left open it does very much feel like the uh, it's part of a series how do we feel the sex up against handmaid's taylor blind assassin like your bigger books yeah. i've read these a lot and i read them before i read handmaid's tale and then i read handmaid's tale and i've read them again and i'm honestly pissed that they made handmaid's tale into four seasons of a show and not this book <laughs> <laughs> i think this would have made an incredible tv series and there's so much yeah. content in there i think <laughs> handmaid's tale is a little more re- relevant as far as like mm-hmm. women's rights go but i think this touches on a lot more things as well that would be relevant today i haven't read all of her stuff but i think it's some of her peak writing she'd already written so many books and won the booker Mm -hmm. award for the robber bride yep and then she won it for blind assassin too right i believe Mm -hmm. i've read a few margaret atwood books and and again the she she's never been one for subtlety uh and this book certainly is not subtle i just thought it was a good adventure story you know like it was a good sci-fi and dystopian end of the world and were there some heavy themes? Absolutely. And and were there a few times when I was just like, hmm, oh, I need to hug my kid and take a fiber. This is bleak. Like for, for me personally, I feel like the first third, maybe even the first like half of it. It's hard to get through. Just because it's so like, I want to know, but there's so much obviously being left out. You know, so much information right. about the world that it's like, why is it like this? She's got to set up why things are so fucked up too. You need a reason at the end to... to think that maybe Craig wasn't wrong when he destroyed humanity. I think he was wrong. It, it took a little bit for me to really get to that mm-hmm. point of like, no, I have to keep reading this. It was interesting. I'm just like, I want to know. And it was just frustrating. Not in a bad way. It just yeah. was harder for me to get it, into. It hooks you. S- slow burn yeah. for you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, for me, every time I've read it, I've enjoyed it. It's one of my favorite series ever, which is why I suggested it for Book Club without realizing um, how triggering it could have been, and then I felt really yeah. bad about that. <laughs> um, and then I was kind of reflecting on it a little bit, and I was talking to Rick about this last night after he finished reading it, but it's funny to me how much it can trigger certain people, obviously, because the themes are so strong sure, and so sure. depressing, but right. I loved it. You know, I was, like, yeah. enthralled. Not to say I mm-hmm. wasn't uncomfortable, but I found those feelings of discomfort to go hand in hand with the discomfort of the story. Sure. Right. And I was just super engaged and it was entertaining. I mean, some of it's pretty funny, you know, just like the outlandish things that happen and that they come up with genetically. And to me, the whole concept of what Craig engineers, these Craigers to do his idea of the perfect human sounds terrible. Like it's (laughs) awful. It's horrible. It's so stupid they're just like animals or robots mm-hmm. that are basically mm-hmm. borderline mindless that's not fixing humanity that's just mm-hmm. reverting us to a previous stage and you mm-hmm. know what evolution will probably get right back to where we are 
at mm-hmm. that point. And that's the thing. And that's what we start to see at the end. They're creating art. They are creating their own mythology. Mm-hmm. They ask, how hard was it to get up into the sky to see Craig? He's like, <laughs> I never told you Craig was in the sky. Like, mm-hmm. Well, we saw we the tornado. Saw the we, tornado. Figured, mm-hmm. we figured it lifted right. you up into the sky. And it's like, yeah. shit, they're coming up with their own stuff now. But he and- did say at one point that he went to the sky or that Craig was in the sky. They saw the tornado and assumed that it carried him to the sky, mm-hmm. which makes a lot of sense. I find the effigy and stuff to be very fascinating of them. Mm-hmm. Art does tend to start with religion and mythology. But when you think about it, what took Homo sapiens civilization tens of thousands of years to get to, the Quakers mm-hmm. figured it out in five or six. And that's their advanced timelines, you know, with the mm-hmm. growing up so fast and aging so fast right. and dying so fast is probably also helps that jimmy was there yeah. teaching them yep. stuff he's there like moses yep. yeah he's moses he's john the baptist and yeah. he's all the prophets them out of egypt into the promised land yeah mm-hmm. there we go we solved it it's the mystery. <laughs> yeah he's wearing the sheet like we said earlier i was just saying the sheet was really subtle the garden of eden was subtle craig definitely has a god complex he knew exactly what he was doing when he set up well, and the, I think you said the paradise it earlier. to the garden of eden oh he knew and you said earlier jason oryx comes to she comes to see him as a god, you know? Yeah, she definitely feeds into that god complex. She reveres yeah. him. Which is another reason that she had to die, because him releasing that in that pill would maybe take away from that godhood for her. I think that he had done a lot of talking to her about the problems. Obviously, not that he's going to kill everybody, but I think she probably still would have been like, well, you know, maybe this was for the best. When she calls Jimmy, when they first start to realize what's happening, she said she didn't know. But yeah. it seems like what you're saying, that he had been talking to her about his issues with stuff and that she had, she knew how he felt about humanity and that he okay. wanted it to change, but she didn't know how he was going to do it. I'm inclined to think that might have been the only time she was ever honest with him, actually. That's yeah, or that's an interesting thing yeah. as well. Yeah. I think that's another reason why she's so frustrating is because Jimmy's like trying so hard to crack her, like crack mm. the code. And she's just yeah. like, this is just me and this yeah. is what you're going to get. You know, this is the yeah. part of me that you get. And that's it. Yeah. Kayla, you and I talked about this as well. And you guys may have already talked about this. But the whole intense gaslighting, toxic bullshit, that was gross, right? But then also his white knighting with Oryx, where he's like Mm -hmm. intensely like, I need to know everything bad that ever happened. And then I'm going to go and find them because he's obsessively searching for the freaking parrot mascot. And. Whatever mm-hmm. country and asking about rivers and things like that, these mm-hmm. minute details that he's never going to be able to find that. Like, it doesn't matter what he does, he's not going to ever find that. Well, he wants justice. And I think that's the point of her as a character is that we all want justice too. But at yeah. the same time, him going and beating them up or killing them or whatever, no, it's not going to do anything. Yeah, she doesn't care. That's the point. She doesn't want that. Exactly. She doesn't, to die. He doesn't exactly. want justice. He wants to be the only one owning her. Who has yeah. any claim on her? That's, that's true. Right. That's what he he definitely is jealous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where it gets into the, the misogynistic stuff of, like, yeah. oh, I'm the man. I got to go fix this. And it's very gross and also uncomfortable in its own way. So we all like Dorks and Crake. It is a, it's a tough read, especially the first third. It's a society on the verge of collapse, and you can very much see a lot of parallels. Um, but yeah, I, I liked it. And I think the consensus is that uh, that we would recommend it. With, with trigger warnings. Kayla, you did give very good, very concise trigger warnings. Yeah, it was very helpful to have those going in. I'm not 
a person that's easily like trigger warnings don't deter me. I'm mm -hmm. right. gonna read it anyway because I'm that kind of person. But, but it's good to uh, like Kayla, I had the discomfort, but the story was so consuming that I got past it really fast. Right. And again, um, I think the but, discomfort is part of the experience of the story because if you mm -hmm. don't feel uncomfortable reading it, then you know maybe you're no better than Crave, right? That's right. the narrative, isn't it? Or the yeah. Crave or you know, yeah. any of the yeah, other. This this isn't like later Chuck Palahniuk, where it's just shock for shock's sake. It's, exactly. It's, there's, I agree. there's a reason for it. Yeah. I agree. Mm -hmm. She's not just trying to make you like just so grossed out by everything. Mm -hmm. And also the fact, once again, that Oryx isn't a victim by any of this, you no. know? She's not traumatized, quote unquote, by these experiences. She's not anything by these experiences. Right. <laughs> yeah. She's been completely yeah. untouched by everything around her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So our next book that we're going to be reading this month is Babel by R.F. Kuang. Uh, it is an alternate history fantasy novel that takes place in the, 18... the 1800s. It deals a lot with the colonization of China by the Europeans and capitalism is probably going to be the bad guy in that one as well. What are the odds, right? So yet another clunky, long, divisive, anti-capitalist book, but you wouldn't expect anything else from us here at even footing so please join us next time at even footnotes uh read along with us we'll live stream next time so you guys can join us for the comments but uh, let us know what you think give us reviews on all the podcasting apps from amanda rick and kayla i'm jason and we are even footnotes and we'll see you next time Bye. 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 Bye.